Hear these words from the book of Acts, chapter 8. Then the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official with the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So something really interesting and funny happened to me a few years ago. I went on vacation to Toronto, Canada for a few days just to get away. And I decided on one of these days to go to the mall, to go shopping. And as I get off the train and I get to the square where the mall is, I'm greeted, if you will, by this Christian missionary who's on the street corner preaching with his microphone and his speaker in hand. And I get caught in his field of view because I look at him for two seconds too long. <laughs> and so as I'm standing there fixed on him and he's fixed on me, he's shouting and preaching whatever it is that he wants me to believe. And so as a crowd of people kind of come behind me, I slip in with them to get into the mall. So I escape his grip for a little bit. Then I go inside the mall, I'm shopping for a little bit, and then I come back out to get on the train to go back to my hotel. And I'm greeted by a Muslim street preacher on the other side of the corner. And he too has his microphone and his speaker in his hand and is shouting whatever it is that he wants me to believe. Now, friends, here's the thing. I love interfaith dialogue as much as the next person. But I don't think that's what people had in mind when they talked about interfaith dialogue. But I got to thinking about that experience, how we all have convictions, don't we? We all feel passionate. We all speak about certain things with zeal and enthusiasm. It could be a hobby or a TV show, a movie, whatever it is. We all have convictions about something, don't we? And we all try to communicate our convictions with passion so that others can join in and believe what it is that we believe. This conviction will lead us to speak loudly and proudly to others about whatever it is. And there are moments where we just cannot keep that thing to ourselves. Faith is one of these things, is it not? We've been in this 
series of sermons called Can I Get a Witness? And over the past few weeks, we've been going through the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which chronicle the life and times of Jesus' followers in the wake of his death and resurrection. Jesus commissions his early followers to go into the world and to share the good news. The earliest disciples find themselves in a myriad of places and situations. Sometimes they're welcome. A lot of times they're not. But the good news was too much for them to keep to themselves. And so, as they were commanded, they went as they were guided by the Holy Spirit. Today's reading shows an interesting interaction between two characters here, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Who was Philip and who was the Ethiopian eunuch? Philip was one of the seven men chosen as deacons to assist the apostles with ministry in the world, to ensure that the needs of the people were being met and were not falling through the cracks. He became an evangelist, starting with the area called Samaria, which if you're familiar with that, that's an area that Jesus was very familiar with and interacted with those people, even though others didn't. When we think about the story of the Samaritan woman at the well or Jesus' parable of the good Samaritan, right? And then we have the Ethiopian eunuch. And the eunuch is a man who is castrated around puberty so that he can serve in the royal courts. And and this would avoid impropriety with royal women. And this eunuch had a high-profile job. He was in charge of the treasury for the queen. Now, what I find interesting about the eunuch in this passage is that he goes from being a royal insider to a religious outsider. He goes from being a royal insider to a religious outsider. See, he had political access. He had status, but he found himself caught in the tension of being on the religious margins. Because when we read Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it prohibited eunuchs from entering the temple for worship. And this eunuch is reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he's identifying in this passage, which is known as the suffering servant in Isaiah. And Isaiah goes on to prophesy in chapter 56 these words, do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that pleases me and hold fast to my commandments. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall never be cut off. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather them, I will gather to them besides those already gathered. One of the things that I love about this passage from Acts and also this reading from Isaiah is that this, these stories and these readings demonstrate how God continues to make room at the table. How when we try to tighten the circle and decide who's in and who's out, God draws a circle wider than we can think or imagine. And in this story, it seems that God is trying to level the playing field here because Philip and the eunuch both were on a wilderness road, a road some might say seems like there's nothing on it, a road where you may feel lost. For the eunuch, he was pursuing greater knowledge and deepening his faith. And it's interesting because he was coming from Jerusalem for worship, even though he may not have been allowed into the temple. 
And then we have Philip, who's traveling to where God called him, even though it seemed towards nothing. Some translations say a deserted place or a desert place. And in light of this wilderness road, albeit from two different starting points, there's a reciprocal witness happening here with Philip and the eunuch. So we see that Philip is breaking open, open the Scriptures for the eunuch to understand, to illumine the Scriptures so he understands what God is trying to say through the prophet Isaiah. But it's not just that interaction. We also see that Philip, while he was witnessing to the eunuch, so too was the eunuch witnessing to Philip. We see that the eunuch invites Philip into his chariot to sit beside him and to read with him. The eunuch here was a channel of God's inclusivity. And just picture with me for a moment the power dynamic here. That would almost be like a cabinet secretary on their way to some important meeting, and they stop and they pick up one of these street preachers, kind of like one of the ones I met in Toronto, (laughs) and invites them into their vehicle convoy for Bible study. That's the image that we're looking at here, the power dynamic that we're seeing in this story. When we talk about evangelism, sometimes it's a weighted word, isn't it? Sometimes it comes with a lot of baggage. Sometimes we communicate evangelism as talking to people about God. But what if we were to see evangelism as talking with people about God? And that's why I find it sometimes problematic when we say things like we're going to take a city for Jesus or we're going to bring Jesus to a city because that then presumes that God is not already at work in that place. Instead, I think we ought to listen to the stories of how the gospel may already be alive and active in those people's lives. And in this way, we can help one another both receive and acknowledge the goodness of God. For as we see God move, we move together. Grads, you are at the end of one phase of your life and seems like the beginning of a whole new adventure. And what I have come to learn about this here community of faith at Boston Avenue is that there are people who were sent by God to go on the road that you were on. Whether it's children's ministry volunteers and staff or youth ministry volunteers and staff, friends in faith and confirmation, Whomever it may be, God sent them your way on the road that you were on. And for some of them, it might have felt like a wilderness journey because they were like, kids, youth, what did I sign up for, right? (laughs) But what I will also tell you is that as we adults were sent to bear witness of who God is and sent to bear witness to you, so too did we learn a thing or two about the nature and character of God through you, through your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, your witness. And so I admonish you today to continue to pay that forward, to understand that life will make its demands of you. Everything will want to fight for your attention, but may you live your lives as a thank you to God for sharing what first made your heart strangely warmed, as Wesley once said. If we were to go one verse further in our election today, verse 39, it reads this, When Philip and the eunuch came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. I kind of like to think that the eunuch would not shut up when he's around people about this experience that he had. He could not keep it to himself, and he could not keep it to himself because of Philip's obedience. 
there will be people who God sends into our lives for seasons. And as life goes on, one day they may not be in our lives any longer for whatever reason. But we can still rejoice. We can still be glad because of their lasting impact. We will still be able to feel the ripples of God's grace in our lives thanks to their obedience. It makes us feel that we are no longer on the outside, but that we belong in the house of God. And this reminds me, again, of the story of the woman at the, at the well in John chapter 4, which is, by the way, the longest conversation that Jesus has with anyone in Scripture. The longest conversation is with this Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus is having this conversation with her about her life and all the men that have come in and out of her life. And she's sharing her story. And as this Jewish man, this Jewish teacher is talking to this Samaritan woman, something that was a no-no at that time, we see that the disciples have a reaction to this. We read in John chapter 4, verses 27 to 30, just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. We may not know this woman's name. We may not know the totality of her story, but Jesus did. And Jesus knew so much more. He could see so much more beyond what was on the surface. And when I hear these words that she says, come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done, I hear the subtext of, of her story saying, come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done, and yet he does not cast me away. Come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done, and he does not ostracize me. Come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done, and yet still loves me. Where the disciples saw an outsider, a woman, a Samaritan woman, Jesus here draws the circle wider. And by the way, Jesus wasn't just witnessing here by himself, but she too spoke to God's grace for the disciples and the people to hear, so much so that these people run to see who this Jesus is. Henry Nouwen in his book, Discernment Reading the Signs of Daily Life, says this, quote, God speaks to us through the people who speak to us about the things of God. God speaks to us through the people who speak to us about the things of God, end quote. And so I think about how we live in this ever-increasingly individualistic world and how it's a challenge to live out our faith in this setting and in this context, a faith that was meant to be lived in community. This individualism will lead us to focus on our own end destinations. And this isolation can cause us to focus how we get where we're going on our own accord. And as a result, it's easy then to have a me against the world and us versus them mentality. But when we live like this, we lose sight of the journey between the bookends of this life. And we forget that in this grand story of humanity, God's love for us as well, that all of our stories are intertwined to make this beautiful tapestry. So as we go in Jesus' name, believe that our witness dialogues with that of others that our collective journeys help to map our respective destinations. 
And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I feel like I've had to walk this road alone, this wilderness road by myself. And what I didn't have the wisdom for at the time was that there were people who have walked the same journey that I have once walked before. And as I share what God is doing in my life and the things that I'm wrestling with, that they could impart wisdom and guidance for my next steps. But if we were to do that, if we were to live that out, truly do it, that requires that we, like Philip, go and tell the good news as the Spirit leads. And, and like the eunuch, humble ourselves enough to receive guidance from our fellow sojourners in this thing called life. Friends, there's a world that needs the hope of God's justice, God's mercy, God's love. We all need to hear this good news, and I think we all should share it. And so every day as we rise, God asks each and every one of us, can I get a witness? May we answer the call. Amen.